minute that I came to St. Matthew's, I felt the sincerity of the congregation. Our life has changed in such a good way since being here, and that may sound cliche, um, but it truly has. We meet people every Sunday when you come, it's always somebody new coming in. St. Matthew's to me is a place of refuge. Coming to church has always felt safe. It's like definitely a, a place where I feel comfortable. I was led to the church because uh, I felt like he was speaking to me. For me, it's definitely a place of love, and um, it's truly some great people in this church that really just want to, that really have like a heart for God and really just want to like just serve. The Holy Spirit has a way of, of sending uh, a word to answer some of the questions that you might have. I've seen the impact that it not only had on my family, St. Matthews, but also that it has in our community. I tell people, because they're seeing the difference in me, and they're saying, what, what are you doing? I'm like, me and my husband, we go going to church. What church do you go to? And I say, St. Matthews in Williamstown. And like, I'm so proud to say that I go there because it changed my life. It's home. It's, it's home.
We are celebrating 35 years of faithful service of Dr. Raymond M. Gordon Sr., the senior pastor of St. Matthew's Baptist Church. We pray that you feel led to support our pastor during this extraordinary milestone. Please do so in prayer and in a love offering. Visit our website at www.stmatthewsbc.org forward slash giving and select pay now under events. Congratulations, uh, Dr. Gordon, um, on your 35 years of pastoral ministry. Uh, this is George Waddles in the Zion Hill Baptist Church in Chicago. Thank you for serving with us in the National Baptist Congress as probably one of the greatest vice presidents our Congress has ever known. You were an example not only of pastoral ministry, but of spiritual leadership. We will always remember how you brought uh, a team of men, strong, faithful, committed men, to the Congress and led us by example. If you did that in Congress, we know you did that at your church as you shepherd God's people, not only in word and doctrine, but by example. God bless you, Ray. Thank God for you, and we love you. Hello, my friend. Tony Evanson from Dallas, wanting to join the chorus of voices congratulating you and your lovely wife won 35 faithful years of serving the Lord at St. Matthew's. Quality leaders are hard to find. St. Matthew's has found an awesome one in you. Thank you for all that you have invested out, but I praise God for the many more years that you can invest in the kingdom of God through the ministry God has given you. Thank you for allowing me to be a small part of a great ministry and the opportunities you've given me to serve you at St. Matthew's. And may the days ahead be greater than the days gone by. Thank you for your friendship. Congratulations and God bless. To my friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Raymond Gordon, Mrs. Gordon, members of the St. Matthew Baptist Church, we are so delighted to greet you on this, your 35th anniversary. We know that it takes a lot to be a pastor and to pastor one congregation for 35 years is indeed a sign of a blessing and an anointing from God. We trust and pray that your years have been good years and that God will continue to bless you in the years yet to come. So my friend, continue to do what you've been doing. Trust in the Lord. And the Lord will guide you, and the Lord will keep you. And he will continue to celebrate you as you glorify his holy name. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be blessed and know that God is with you. Thank you so much for being my friend. To my very, very dear friend, Dr. Ray Gordon, it is a very special privilege for me to be able to sing to you your family, and the entire congregation at St. Matthew's Baptist Church. Your 35 years of faithfully serving the Lord Jesus Christ in teaching His Word, discipling others, and trying to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. May He give you many, many more years of faithful service for His glory. Greetings. 
My name is Deacon Jose Johnson, and I come giving praises and reverence to the name of that is above all names, and that is the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm honored to speak with you concerning the 35th anniversary of our pastor, Dr. Raymond Maurice Gordon. Since I first met Pastor Gordon, I've been inspired by his spirit, his ideas, his philosophy, and his truths. Pastor Gordon has shown us that a dream becomes a goal when action is taken toward its achievement. His dreams of having a significant edifice for reaching, teaching, and discipling God's people has been inspired by the Lord to not simply follow where the path may lead, but rather to go where there is no path and to leave a trail. Pastor Gordon has consistently demonstrated that often when you think you're at the end of something, you're really at the beginning of something new. Thus, we can appreciate from his leadership the development of this beautiful campus at St. Matthew's Baptist Church. In honoring this great man, we're reminded he exhibits daily that the price of greatness comes with responsibility and that excellence is not a destination, but a continuous journey that never ends. Let's show honor and our love to our pastor with our gifts to him and his family. He is God's chosen vessel for the delivery of his word at St. Matthew's Baptist Church. Please join me in showing your love. God bless you. Happy pastoral anniversary, Pastor. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving my family. I've learned so much here over the 20 years. Wishing you and your family the very best anniversary. Give it honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to say thank you, Pastor, for all you have done for the many years that we have known each other. These 35 years have come and gone so fast, but you have been a blessing and you have been a blessing to our congregation, to my family and all those that have come in contact with you. I've gotten to know you better than most and not as well as others, but I know you so well and I just thank you for that. And I had an opportunity to be with you through many years and you're an awesome man and make no mistake about it. I would not change a thing about the things that I've learned about you and the things that I've seen in you. And I wish you many, 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 many more days of success and years of success. And I thank you because when I came to you, I was broken, bruised and battered and you built me back up through Jesus Christ. And I know there are many stories like that throughout the congregation. And I pray that you continue to do what you do. Happy 35th anniversary, sir. And many, many more. And I pray for you and your family. Pastor, this is Dave Young. Happy 35th pastor anniversary. I just want to let you know that I love you and I thank God for you. And thank you for all you've done here at St. Matthew's Baptist Church. And thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for pouring into my life uh, at a very young age and still pouring into my life. I just want to say thank you, Sister Gordon, thank you, and wish you many more. Hello, Pastor Gordon. This is the Liggins family in Jacksonville, Florida. Happy 35th anniversary, and thank you for all your teaching, and thank you for everything you've done for the Liggins family. God bless you. Hi, Pastor and Sister Gordon. Happy anniversary. It's good to see that you have 35 years of wonderful teaching. We, the Liggins family, love you and appreciate the teachings that you have given us, and we are using it to for the kingdom. 
We love you and your family. Have a blessed and wonderful anniversary, both of you. God bless your inner prayers. Hey there, Pastor Gordon and Sister G. It's Darlene Hunter and James Hunter. We want to wish you a happy 35th pastoral anniversary. Pastor, I still quote some of your teaching and preaching till this day. Pastor, happy 35th. See you guys. Love and miss you. Bye. Congratulations, Pastor Gordon, on your 35th pastoral anniversary. We thank you for having a huge impact on our spiritual lives. And we thank you for training us to be godly leaders. And we thank you for teaching us that Jesus is Lord from the guttermost to the uttermost. We love and appreciate you and Sister G and everything you taught us. We take it with us wherever we go. We, we love, love you, Pastor. Pastor. Hello, Pastor Gordon. Congratulations on your 35th pastoral anniversary. And I'd like to personally thank you for your teaching and leadership at St. Matthew's. May our Lord Jesus Christ continue to bless you your family, and St. Matthew's Baptist Church. Happy Happy anniversary. anniversary. Love you. God bless. Love you much. Today's broadcast will be a highlight of a past sermon in honor of Pastor Gordon's 35th pastoral anniversary. This morning we're going to be dealing with finding the will of God for our lives. Finding the will of God for our lives. One of the least known uh, initiations in the realm of Christianity is a Christian's ability to find the will of God for their life. To some, The will of God is a search for solutions. To others, the will of God is seeking, amen, a feeling to help my emotional stress. To others, the will of God is initiating my own thinking to put together my own puzzle my own way. And this much confused subject is confusing partly because many of us have never been taught about God's will. That is, God's will is open for anyone's interpretation. And and, and what happens many times is that We do what we want to do, go where we want to go, initiate what we want to initiate, and then to satisfy, amen, ourselves and our consciences, we say, well, I think or I believe that I'm in the will of God. And so what tends to happen is that the body of Christ is fragmented and in trouble because a lot of people don't understand God's will. And that is that God does not play hide-go-seek. God is not saying that you have to run through a bunch of tunnels and and do a bunch of push-ups and sit-ups in order to find his will. God is more uh, uh, inclined to to give us his will than we are to have it. 
Amen. And that is that the one thing that we have to be clear about is that the reason that the will of God is so important is because the will of God should always be predicated, listen, on our obedience to the word of God. Understanding that when we are obedient to the word of God, that God in turn blesses us. That is, if we mess up the will of God, it's going to impact our blessings. Because God honors his will. Thank you, Jesus. And he honors his word. And so one of the things that we need to understand is that when we begin to look at this whole matter of the will of God, there's two things we have to understand right off the bat. We have to understand the definition of what it means to have the will of God and then the dynamics of the will of God. And when we begin to look at the definition of the will of God, Paul helps us out tremendously in this book of Ephesians. In fact, in all of his Pauline epistles, he is saying something about the will of God. And when I think about what Paul is saying here in chapter 5, and I want you to hear this, that Paul says in the verses that I read in your hearing, look at verse 17, therefore do not be vague. When I go back up to verse 15, the word wise, not as the unwise but and witless, but wise, that word is the Greek word sophos, where we get our word sophia, Greek word, which means not only wisdom but gathering the facts. That is, God says, if you want to be wise, gather the facts. Facts about what? Facts about my word. Get all the facts together. When we gather facts together, biblical, Bible-centric facts, then you're wise. You're not wise because your hair is gray. You're not wise because chronologically you're old. You're wise when you take my word, gather the facts together, and come to a logical conclusion that this is what God is saying. That's wise. Thank you, Lord. And so one of the things that he says in verse 17, look, he says, therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but here it is, understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. And, and what Paul is saying is this, that there are two different Greek words that gives us definition to the will of God. First is the Greek word thelema. Amen. That is T-H-E-L-E-M-A, Thelema. Thelema is the will of God's heart. The will of God's heart. That is, this is what God wants for you. This is what God wants for mankind. Amen. It's his heart's desire. Amen. That is Thelema. And we find that throughout the New Testament, this verse or this word is used over and over again that God wants us to have his heart's desire for us. Now listen to me carefully, and that is this. Whenever we're dealing with the word philema, it is God saying that if, and the inference is that if we are obedient, we will find his philema. His philema is his word. His philema is his direct will. His thelema is what he desires for all of his children and, listen, for mankind. And once you understand that there is a play and a difference in Greek words to define the will of God, it answers other theological questions which seem contradictory, such as, in 1 Timothy 2, it says, it's not God's will that any man should perish. That is his thelema. He's saying, I don't want nobody to go to hell. That's my heart's desire. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my motivation as being the God of love. 
Amen. I don't want anybody. 17 week series on the great cover of the hidden hurts of the believer. And what I like to do is start off with the familiar passage of scripture as we travel. And that scripture is found in Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and verse 19. Psalm 34 and verse 19. 34th division of Psalms. Many, and I'm going to be reading from and an a, a, a amplified version for a reason. Many evils confront the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him, him out of them all. Your King James Version reads, many afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Key words, many, affliction, righteous, but. The Lord delivers all, all. One of the rude awakenings of the saved life is that after we're saved, we come to realize that we have an awesome salvation. We have an eternal salvation. We have a salvation that God has, amen, worked a plan that once we get saved, God does not just leave us. That there is a continuous working of the Holy Spirit. And although we have this awesome salvation and we have an awesome destination that we will go to after we leave here. And although we have an awesome manifestation of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside as a paraclete who comforts us, in spite of the salvation, destination, and manifestation, we find out quickly that we live down here in a bunch of frustration. That is, we learn quickly that we can be holy and yet be hurting. We can be consecrated and be confused. We can be saved and yet be suffering. We can be in an attitude of worship 
and yet be wounded. We can be prayerful and yet be plagued by problems. And so one of the things that we learn quickly is that it is a great thing to be saved. To ask Christ into your life believing that he died for your sins was buried and rose again. But the whole salvation package of God goes much further than that. And salvation as we know it is in three tenses. That is God saves us from the penalty of sin. That's hell. And then God is saving us present tense from the power of sin through regeneration. And God one day when we leave here will save us from the presence of sin when we see Jesus. It is that middle ground that is seldom talked about. It is that process of regeneration, that process of sanctification, that process of, amen, being conformed to the image of Christ that a lot of us have never heard about. And it's in that process that the Spirit of God begins, amen, to illuminate us. Listen, he begins to expose us. He begins, amen, to detach us from all of the mechanisms that we have used over the years to hide our real selves. And, and, and for the next 17 weeks, I'm going to be dealing with the great cover-up from the pulpit to the door. I don't want you to sit there and say, well, uh, uh, let me figure out what's wrong with pastor. No, figure out what's wrong with you. Amen. fact of the matter is, all of us have covered up the real person. And we are functioning, amen, on a facade. That is when sin took place in our lives. And that is that we're talking about growing up as children. We're talking about perhaps coming under abusive parents. No parents at all. Incest, rape, fatherless, motherless. Uh, uh, devastation in our lives. Whatever has taken place in your life has left Scar tissue. Amen. If you didn't have a loving father, amen. Some father that would spend time with you and hold you and hug you. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how strong you are. You're hurting. If you didn't have, amen, a loving mother, amen, that comforted you with words of comfort and prayed with you and held you and kissed you, you are hurting. If you've been through two or three marriages and thinking about the third or fourth one you need to hold up. Because you are hurting. Whatever has taken place in our lives, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm reaching back from the pulpit all the way back to the door, amen, that a lot of us have been exposed and have had, had experiences that have literally build up all kind of walls, all kind of scars, all kind of devastations within our mind, and we are still rolling on trying to live it out. 
And it's God's will for you and I to be healed. It's God's will for him to come in with his package, amen, of sanctification. It's God's will for him to uncover that which has been covered up for so long. It is God's will for him to come in and rescue us so that we can have what Jesus called the abundant life. A life full of joy. A life, amen, where we're able to transfer storms and trials and tribulations where, amen, we will not become the recipient of continual hurt. But that when things begin to happen in our lives, God gives us the wherewithal to just pray about everything. Amen. And, and give it over to the Lordship of Christ and trust that he is going to, amen, work it all out. And I've come to tell you that we're sitting here today, and those of you out there in TV land, some of us and many of us are saved on our way to heaven. We have a great perspective of salvation, a great perspective, amen, of destination, a great perspective of manifestation, but we are frustrated with these continual hurts and these continual batterings that go on within us. And I need to take the first dive into the proverbial pool that as pastor, I have a lot of issues that need to be resolved. That I have, amen, thank you Jesus, that I have issues that have been covered up for so long, amen, that no one can get in. I won't let them out. And if somebody look like they're getting close, I get out of Dodge. Can I get a witness? Oh, you're not praying with me. Amen. Some of us have been exposed to a whole bunch of mess from pornography all the way down to things that we would never allow anyone else to know. Some of us, amen, out of guilt, we protect our parents. Yeah, I had great parents, but deep, deep down inside, you know you never received the love and affirmation. You know they weren't there for you. Amen. They cursed. Amen. They, they screamed. They called you stupid. Amen. They called you dumb. They called you whores. They called you bastards. They called you all kind of names. And these things just left a whole bunch of scar tissue. And now you've grown up and now you want to get married. Now you are married. Now you've been married. And you find out that that scar tissue, amen, that those scars just keep recycling. Amen. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so one of the things that we need to understand is that, amen, Jesus, listen to me, when he started his ministry in Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, don't turn, Jesus did a quotation of Isaiah. Jesus was informing us the type and, listen, and the caliber of ministry that God had sent him to earth to do. And there were four initiatives in Isaiah 61. I don't want you to turn. He says, I've come to bring good news to the afflicted. Let me stop right there. Jesus said the first thing, I've come to give good news to the afflicted. That is, I've come to give you some hope. Amen. I've come to pull you out of the mainstream of darkness and I've come to heal your soul. Thank you, Lord. The second thing Jesus said is, I come to bind up the brokenhearted. That is, those of you that are shattered, my job description is to give you a new heart. Third, I've come to, listen, I've been sent to proclaim liberty to the captives. 
And then fourthly, I've come to bring freedom to the prisoners. And we can hear Jesus in that great eighth chapter of St. John when he is in a heated discussion with the pharisaical government and Jesus said, amen, uh, I, if, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It may mess somebody up in their theology, but let me tell you something. When the word goes forth, it can't come back void. If children just learn the word, thank you, Lord. If they just get the word of God, it's going to do something. It's, it's going to have some germination point. It's going to grow something. It's going to manufacture something. It's going to manifest something. It's going to have a root. It's going to have, amen, it's going to have a, a time they put it in the ground. It's going to have a time it gets it's watered and it's going to have a time of increase because that's the way the word is. Hell can't stop the word. Satan can't stop the word. The world can't stop the word. The word is the word and the word is the word and the word is a wonder. The word is the wisdom. The word is a miracle. So what he says is when I call to remembrance the unseen faith. Now, 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 let me, let me step. This, this is faith that is not diluted. See, 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 some of us got di, di, diluted faith. We can only believe God when we halfway see this thing. That, that's, that's, that's a, that's a diluted faith. That's a, that's, 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 Lord, I believe you because I'm looking at something that gives me a, a tip, gives me an indication that this is possible of happening. See, that's diluted faith. But, but, but unseen faith says, Lord, I don't have to see anything. I, 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 I don't have to feel it. I, 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 I can't even imagine how it's going to come together. I, 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 there's, there's no plausible reason for me, amen, to, to, to stand rationally up and believe that this is going to happen. But God, in spite of all that, I believe it anyhow. I'm, it, it, it is, it is unseen faith. Faith that is not diluted. Faith that is not mingled. Faith that's not messed up. It's just faith. And he says in verse 5, this unseen faith that is in, look at the preposition, in thee. Now let's, let's not go too fast. It's in you. It, 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 was, it was taught to you. You had a saved mother and a saved grandmother who got saved on my first missionary journey. They, they were sold out about Jesus and they, they taught you. Now you don't hear any mention of his father. His father was a Gentile who probably was not saved. So Paul has no reason to mention him. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. See, God only deals with his children. Can I get a witness? He says, I don't have no reason to mention your daddy, wherever he is, but I'm going to mention your mother and your grandmother because what they did, they inserted in you. They taught you unseen faith. Unseen faith that is in thee, which dwelt. Now, now let's, let's handle these words. Which, which lived. Which had a domain. Which, 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 uh, was, 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 was a boarding. Amen. Uh, they, 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 they had a room. Lord have mercy. In your grandmother. Mm. 
Now this is important because sometimes mothers slip, grandmothers pick up slack. Are you praying with me? <laughs> and thank God for the grandmothers. Whole lot of times mothers are out there, grandmothers pick up slack. Grandmothers are re-raising grandchildren to the glory of God. Can I get a witness? Amen. And listen, he says, it was first in your grandmother, Lois, and in thy mother, Eunice, and since this thing lived inside your grandmother and inside your mother, I'm persuaded. In other words, there's no way they could grow up in the same house and not be affected. Somebody know what I'm talking about. There's no way that they could live under the same roof with two women sold out on Jesus and this stuff not get to them. You know how it is when you live around somebody who loves the Lord? They don't even think like we think. They don't see things the way we see things. Can I get a witness? We get up in the morning and say, oh, it's raining again. They say, Lord, thank you for the liquid sunshine. Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. And, and we even start looking at folk like they crazy. Can I get a witness? Bills come in, no money to pay them. And we grumbling saying, oh, I, I wish I could do this and do that. And these save folk with unfeigned faith say, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. So when you just live around somebody who has unseen faith, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. They don't turn church on and off. Oh, Lord. Church is on seven days a week. Can I get a witness? They don't come and praise the Lord on Sunday and run back home to Jerry Springer on Sunday night. Are you praying with me? Huh? So what Paul is saying, let's deal with this composite called faith. That, that is, that is a true assessment of faith begins with doctrine. Doctrine are those teachings of the word. And, and, and what, and what Paul is saying is that your mother and grandmother constructed biblical values. Are you praying with me? Let me talk about values. Biblical values. That is, they, amen, have placed in you truth of the word of God. Now let me tell you why we need the mothers to keep giving the children truth. Because the world and even the universities, which are anti-Christ, are designed to test the authenticity of what you've been taught. Are you praying with me? That is, when you go to a university, all of a sudden, the profs tell you it's a heavy thing to learn about Sigmund Freud. They tell you it's a heavy thing to learn about Darwin and Darwinism. They tell you it's a heavy thing to learn about situation ethics. They tell you it's a heavy thing to learn, amen, about the cosmos from 
a natural mindset. Are you praying with me? And so, and so what our parents, what mothers tend to do, they tend to place into their children values at an early age. I'm talking about biblical values. I'm talking about, amen, and they don't need to be educated to do it. All they need to do is look at a tree and say, see that tree? God made it. Can I get a witness? See that moon? God put it in the sky. See that sun? The Lord placed it up there. See that bird? God taught him how to sing. Amen. And, and, and what and what mothers would do is place in their children biblical values, which are doctrinal issues. Because the world's going to teach about its myths, its music, and its management of self. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. That's what the world's going to teach you. The world's going to teach you how to live, how to love. Amen. How to liberate yourself. The world has a whole bunch of information, but the world has no salvation. And, and information without salvation is just information. What you need is to hear from God. And God uses the mother to teach the value. And I come to tell you, growing up, I learned a whole lot at home. I can't get that credit to the school system. I was in Sunday school every Sunday. Are you praying with me? There was a rule in my house. If you didn't go to Sunday school and church, you couldn't go out. Can I get a witness? And the last thing you wanted to do in the 50s was stay at home. Because it was just a little hot room with a screen. Nobody had air conditioner. Nobody had extra TVs. Nobody had games and remotes. There was only one telephone that you wound up. It was black. It sat right there. Somebody know what I'm talking about. I didn't know anybody that had more than two lines in their house. A amen. Amen. Come on now. Help me. And, 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 and so the last thing you wanted to do was stay in that room. Can I get a witness? So even if we shammed it, we went to church just so we wouldn't be in that prison box. Can I get a witness? And I come to tell you, our parents laid down, like a lot of mothers are laying down today, they laid down values. They taught children respect. Respect your elders. Can I get a witness? You couldn't stay in your mother's face in those days and listen to her every word. Can I get a witness? You had to say yes ma'am and no sir. Oh, I know I'm messing up now. That's what those good old days, isn't that right? And if an adult ever lied on you, you just got a beating. Can I get a witness? Because parents just believed adults in them days. Can I get a witness? And so... You have matured where God wants you to be at. It's when you stop trying. And you start trusting. I hear so many Christians saying, well, you know, I'm really trying to stop smoking. Stop trying. And start trusting. Lord, here's my pack of cigarettes. And I can't break this habit on my own. But in the name of Jesus, I know you can give me power over these cigarettes. Somebody know what I'm talking about. But before God gives you power over the sin, he's got to give you a hatred for the sin. So your prayer ought to be, Lord, give me a hatred for smoking. Because the reason you keep smoking because you like what you're doing. The reason you keep fornicating because you like what you're doing. 
The reason you keep shacking because you like what you're doing. The reason you keep cussing because you like what you're doing. Lord, give me a hatred for this sin. Amen. Not every sin. This sin. You got to learn to transfer. Stop trying and start trusting. But then you got to stop doing and start depending. Can I get a witness? Then you got to stop working but start waiting. You got to stop pouting but start praying. You, you got to let go and then let God. And that's the hardest thing for us to do as born again believers. We have all of these sacred prayers and we got all of the amen. We got all of the jargon. And amen. Greater is he that's in me. And we know all of the cliches. But when it comes to letting go. We got a problem with letting go uh, when the children are out in the street and you stop trying to trap them with the Bible and just let them go. That's what the prodigal son followed it. Let them go. Amen. When the marriage is on the rocks, let it go to Jesus. And Amen. When the finances are funny, let it go to Jesus. And we got to learn to let go and let God. And see, that's transferring this thing back to God. And I come to tell you every sin I took to God and said, Lord, I can't handle this. God handled it for me. Are you praying with me? We got to learn to transfer and let go and, and let God. And there is a classic illustration of let go and let God. God, it was back in the 80s, a great motion picture came out called Star Wars. Somebody know what I'm talking about. It was about a boy named Luke Skywalker who wanted to fight, amen, against darkness and he wanted to represent light and he had a, he had a zeal, he had an enthusiasm, he wanted to do what was right, but he was untrained, he was undisciplined and an old man named Obi-Wan Kenobi taught him how to use the force. Are you praying with me? And it was in the midst of battle, thank you Jesus, that uh, uh, Luke Skywalker was trying to do this thing in his own strength. And he found out that he was about to crash and get killed. And, and the spirit of old Juan Kenobi came back to him and said, Luke, let go. The force is with you. And I come to tell you the Holy Ghost is not a force. The Holy Ghost is a person. And Jesus keeps saying, let go. I'm with you, but you gotta let go. You can't hold on and keep praying. You got to let go. You got to. You, you can't keep trying to work it out. You got to let go. And and the minute Luke let go, and all of a sudden the spaceship stabilized, and he won the battle. And I come to tell you, you gotta learn to transfer this stuff. But you got to let go. And and your prayers gotta be, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thine will. While I'm standing, yielded and still. I come to tell you, if you want to transfer this stuff, you got to let go. And this morning, I'm letting go. This morning, I got to step back. Can I get a witness? I was emotionally spent two weeks ago. I was burned out two weeks ago. And the Lord said, Raymond Gordon, let go. I got your back. Let go. I am your power. Let go. I am your provision. Let go. Let go. Let go. And let go. And when you let go, God gonna show up. He gonna give you power.
trying to work out the marriage in your own strength. Maybe you're trying to bring the wayward children back home. Maybe you're trying to get your husband and wife saved. Let go and let God transfer. Flow it to Jesus. Hear Jesus. Keep on taking it. I can't handle it. I'm coming to tell you. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Because 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, and his son lived here 33 years. Amen. They put him in a grave. But early, 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 Sunday morning, he got up with all He'll fix it. He'll make your down cities. He'll straighten out your uprising. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. We have been translated. We're being transformed. And we must learn how to. My sermon today is under authority. One of the greatest freedoms in life is one's ability to come under the authority of another. This submission to authority provides a peace, a provision, and a protection from strain and being stricken. Authority over our lives provides an accountability and the assurance of boundaries. Without boundaries, people are in danger. And authority, by definition, is the right and power to rule, command, decide, or judge in a certain matter. There are at least three types of authority known to man. There is divine authority. That's God, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, who is sovereign and has absolute rule of everything. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, he says, All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's divine authority. And then secondly, there is, watch this now, after we have divine authority, there is direct authority. This authority is the authority that's given directly to positions such as the presidents of the United States or a man, a congressman, uh, even pastors and military uh, generals. There is a positional authority, listen, in order for man on earth to rule and to resignate righteousness in the midst of the earth. And then third, there is delegated authority or derived authority that is authority given to carry out a function. When we begin to look at this matter of authority, it's very, very interesting that uh, there, there are some problems and pitfalls with authority. One of the problems is people who have a prideful spirit refuse to come under authority. 
they think they're smarter than you. They think that they don't, you don't have a right to tell them what to do. And uh, uh, they, they, they believe that uh, they have forgotten more than you know. So pride will not allow them to come on the thought. Or they choose what authority they will be under. Amen. And, and uh, they may not have a problem on the job, but they got a problem in the church. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and listen, fact of the matter is, is that the other pitfall with authority is this. Some of us came up under some abusive authority, and it has damaged our mindset about authority. Are you praying with me? Yeah, that, that, that is that um, we have these uh, messed up, if you will, concepts of authority and submission. And that's one of the problems in marriage that people, the reason they keep clashing is because they have a bad memory model of authority. Amen. That, yeah, uh-huh, I'm glad we shouted early. That, amen, that, uh, uh, you know, because you grew up where authority was abused and because submission is a slave word to you because you don't have a right concept. You keep battling in your personal life. Amen. That, that, that is, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing for people to say, well, you know, pastor can't tell me what to do. He's not my father. Well, yes, I am your father. And the reason I know I'm your father because I ran into a Catholic girl. You know what she called me? Father. Fact, fact, fact of the matter is, is that uh, when we begin to look at this matter of authority, 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 and it's funny because as we engage in relationships in life, the past will ultimately come out. You know, you get into a little argument and go up one octave and, who you hollering at? You know, you, you, you remember Norman Bates, mother? Mother, mother. And the fact of the matter is, we just have some bad memories about authority. So we, we start struggling with this thing called authority. Let me say this. And this is major. The father figure is so critical in the context of healthy thinking that we underscore and we don't give proper meaning and definition to how important a father is. That if a young girl did not have a close, loving relationship with her daddy, I ain't talking about, I'm talking about growing up, it's going to affect her husband relationship with authority. If a boy didn't have a loving relationship with his mother, it's going to affect his relationship with his wife. Lord have mercy. And, and, and most of the people in, in, that, that are incarcerated got problems with authority. That's why today people will blow you away for no reason because they don't have respect for authority. Because there was no male figure around who loved them. Now listen to this because you go home and search it out. The book of Proverbs says... The glory of a child is their father, not their mother. I'm, and this is, this is no shot at the mothers, but the Bible says that the glory of a child is their father. 
You go home, it's in Proverbs. But look at this. We need to establish this thing on authority because the Word of God is the authority. Not Oprah Winfrey. Amen. Not any game show, not any social agency that we ought to be concerned with what God has to say. God, God is not interested in your opinion or mine. Yeah. Well, what do, you, what do you think about same-sex marriage? It's unimportant what you think. What do you think about homosexuality and lesbianism? It's unimportant what you think. What do you think about amen uh, abortion? It's unimportant what you think. There are positions in the Word of God. It's only important what God says. And we got to get back to the Bible. Too many people have come out of the Bible and they have established positions that are not in the Bible. And we're going to deal with it. Amen. The principles, the management of your marriage, the management of your children, the management of your money, the management of your mind, your walk, your talk, it's in the Bible. When you look at Romans chapter 1, God is not asking for opinions. God says, you know what? When they knew God but glorified him not as God, amen, when they twisted truth, God gave them up to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. He gave them up, up, and over. God says if you practice homosexuality, if you practice same-sex marriages, if you practice lesbianism, you're going to hell. That's in the Bible. Somehow, stuff starts coming together. I don't even pray about stuff and it happens. Because there is an orchestrator in the background. And, and, and people you don't even know, he gives you favor. You know God will give you favor. God, 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 God will give you favor when you don't even deserve favor. He'll, 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 he'll let somebody like you. Just to move you ahead. He'll, he'll let somebody help you just to move you up. And you think, I, I, you know, we're crazy enough to start thinking, well, it must be something. It, might, it must be something about me. It, it must be the way I dress. It must, it must be my education. It must be my. No, no, you fool. There's somebody behind you and in front of you. That keeps promoting you in spite of all of your pollution. Ah. He controls, he controls, he controls, he controls. Get a glimpse of your glory. Thank you. Because he that had begun a good work in you will keep on doing it to the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Because weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Thank you. I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Never seen a seed begging back. Thank you. Lord, you've been good to me. 
You snatch me out of hell with smoke still in my garments. You put me on the street called straight. Thank you. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? Thank you. Thank you. Should have been dead. Should have been gone. Should have been down. Should. I said I should have been out. But God say any good is good. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. righteous because it was Abel's blood was a blood of obedience and faith he gave but it had no atoning power only Jesus blood has atoning power what what do you mean by atoning the word atoning means to cover it means amen what that exercise they went through in the old testament every year where the the priest would go into the tabernacle and by the way tabernacle was up 33 years Jesus was on earth 33 years They would go into the tabernacle every day to change the altar of incense near the curtain, a table of showbread, 12 loaves, repping 12 tribes, and the lampstand. But once a year, Yom Kippur, only the high priest could go in with a rope tied around his waist. Because if he died, nobody else went in to get him, they had to drag him out. Why? Because the presence of God was unapproachable. keep keep that word in mind God was unapproachable you could not come into God's presence without him killing you do I have a witness 
uh, uh, God, God's presence was unapproachable. And, and, and so when a high priest went in, he took a basin of blood that he had slain at the laver outside. And he's got a basin of blood from a, 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 amen, a perfect lamb without blemish. And he would sprinkle that blood seven times uh, uh, around the ark. And, and the, the cherubim's wings that meant God was in the middle, there was a mist, there was a smoke. And if God received the blood, the lid, like a toilet, would drop. And when it dropped, God was saying, your sins, Israel, is covered for one year. One, just one year. You got to come back this year to come back next year this time. But Hebrews 10, 12 says, but this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand side of God. Y'all not getting this. He that hath begun a good work in you will continue to do it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So by faith, hallelujah, we, we, we believe the promises over our problems. Yeah, by freedom, we believe that God is faithful and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll work out his will. And by fortitude, listen to this, we, we, we will perform the will of God, we will worship, we will wait on God even in the midst of our weeping. We are sure that God will come through, that he will deliver us from our difficulties. He will persuade us that he is the power who controls everything. And I'm so glad that I serve a God that can hear the heartbeats of my emotions. I'm so glad that I praise a Savior who has not forgotten about me, but he has called me out of darkness and translated me into his marvelous light. I'm, I'm so glad that I serve a Savior who snatched me out of hell with smoke still in my garments and have put me, listen to this, on a street called street. Amen. That, that he has given me discernment. Amen. He, he has given me all the tools that I need to hold on and to hold out. That weeping, Psalm 30, may endure for a night, but joy, hallelujah, will come in the morning. There's no greater power than the serenity prayer. Lord, give me the serenity, the peace, listen to this, to accept the things I cannot change. To change, give me the strength to change. Down and running over. You and I cannot be God-given, no matter how hard we try. Mm. We are we are submitted to his will and we are submitted to his word. Give. And it will be given back to you, my Lord. That God makes these promises. Hallelujah. He that soweth sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully, that means you don't want to do it, shall reap bountifully. Not reluctantly, not of necessity, not somebody beating you down. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now, let me stop pausing part because when you get to Malachi, you'll find out that your seed is blessed because you're willing to tithe to God. My children are blessed because their mother and father tithe to God. My children are blessed because I serve God. My children are blessed because I sacrifice to God. That all giving is systematic, sacrificial, and in support of God. Lord, have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. In support of God. That when we are submissive to the will of God, we understand that I need to sow, plant my seed sparingly. Whole lot of it. Not bountifully. I need to sow my seed sparingly. Lord have mercy. And and then and then and then he goes on to say, for God loves a cheerful Giver. Lord have mercy. I know we've all had episodes where people on the streets or in our families, they want money, some of them want drugs, and you don't want to give money for drugs, so you were uh, buying food. We are celebrating 35 years of faithful service of Dr. Raymond M. Gordon Sr., the senior pastor of St. Matthew's Baptist Church. We pray that you feel led to support our pastor during this extraordinary milestone. Please do so in prayer and in a love offering. Visit our website at www.stmatthewsbc.org forward slash giving and select pay now under events.